You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 357, we're discussing... Mandalorian season three wrap up the flash trailer and having a little bit more Star Wars fun towards the end of the episode. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Ian. Ian is back. Welcome back, my friend. It's been a chaotic and busy couple of weeks for us, but here we are, sat down at the mic to talk about two very big things in the Mandalorian season three and this beautiful flash trailer. Yep. Lots to talk about. It's been a really busy couple of weeks for me. In my personal life, but also, yeah, with a lot of the stuff that's been coming out, and it's been really exciting. Uh, it's been interesting being on Twitter, seeing how people have been reacting to a lot of this stuff, uh, especially the Mando stuff, because it seems a little mixed. Um, but yeah, it's there's been a lot of positivity. It's good to see a lot of you know positive energy around Star Wars, um, because yeah, there have been some some low times. And yeah, with a flash trailer, just waking up today and seeing it on on Twitter and just how people are going wild, like going crazy about this. And, you know, I've even watched it over and over again. So looking forward to having a chat about it with you guys. Yeah. And speaking about you guys, we've got a guest here jumping into the nerd room. You know, we're talking Mandalorian season three and that little bit of tease about Star Wars at the end has a lot to do with our guest this week. I'd like to welcome into the nerd room, Rob from the Generation X-Wing podcast. Rob, how are you doing, my friend? Hello there. How are you guys? Good. To- thank you, thank you, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for not letting me host it. This is nice when I don't have to host. <laughs> I just sit back, relax, point, and and laugh at other people's mistakes. It's great. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's the best when you're a host of a podcast. Oh, and You get fantastic. to take a break for a little bit oh, and yeah. let someone else run, guide, and you can just interject and say whatever you want. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to interject. I'm not. I know my place. I know where I stand. I'm going to let you run the show and I'll just be sitting in the back corner eating hors d'oeuvres and drinking the drinks and having a good old time. That's what we do here in the nerd room. We got Rob in a literal green room here eating high end food, high end drinks. That's how we treat our guests here in the nerd room. I spilled some uh, cocktail sauce on your, sorry, I spilled some (laughs) cocktail sauce on your carded figures. So I'm really sorry about that. (sighs) That's okay. That's okay. We'll take that out of the, uh, the wage I'm paying you to be here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Zero divided by zero. Is yeah, nothing, absolutely nothing. But yes, later on, we are going to talk a little bit about trooping this is something i've been poking a rob about mm-hmm. here he is a 501st trooper and we're gonna do this at the end of the episode we're gonna bring it back full circle to star wars he has got the insight he's been doing for years unbelievable stuff and it's something that i've been tossing around about maybe getting into so i thought it'd be a great way to end the show we've also got to talk about like we said and like ian mentioned mandalorian season three i thought it'd be great to have rob jump in here he has been breaking it down in quite a bit of detail over on the generation x-wing podcast so if you want that detail head over to gen x head over to jam transmission with rick who i'm always recommending because he is able to take the the minuscule amounts of star wars isms and just bust it wide open into a whole episode and so those is where that's where you should go for the details here we're going to kind of give our overarching views of this season the third season 
of the Mandalorian. It's hard to believe we're already here. We've seen him pop up in the Book of Boba Fett. We're likely to see him in the future, potentially on the big screen. But let's get into this season as a whole. Rob, talk to me about the Mandalorian season three. Coming out of the Book of Boba Fett, we had a weird couple episodes in there where it kind of set the stage for what was next for the Mandalorian. We get into this season and we hit the ground running and we end up in a place that I don't think a lot of us really would have predicted. This season kind of threw everyone for a bit of a loop as to where it went and potentially where it's going. But give me your overarching thoughts here, Rob, on Mandalorian season three. I'm kind of glad I'm getting to talk about this because uh, I know in your last week's show, you're talking to Rob Cast and it's it's what he kind of says, like, I got nobody to talk to about this except for... <laughs> Obviously, uh, my co-hosts, uh, Jamie and Steven, when Anil sometimes comes by. And so now I get to talk to somebody and talk it through out loud because mm -hmm. this year, this season, it did go by very fast. And I like, I enjoy Mandalorian. It's my favorite of all this series. But for some reason, something seemed a little off. I don't know if, it, I think it had a lot to do with, uh, it was like a lot of these stakes were built up and then it just, kind of happened real quick and moving on and this the thing about the, the sword just kind of oh it's a loophole she owns it now and the thing about i gotta get <laughs> baptized in the water well that was done in episode two it just kind of like everything seemed to be have a grand importance and just kind of got moved on real quick to focus on the end piece of of getting back Mandal mandalore and even that felt a tad rushed but I mean, that being said, I love the series. I enjoy it. And I actually am more excited about where it's going. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's going back to what they did in episode, uh, season one. The old yeah. uh, gunslinger put some people in carbonite, but now I got a buddy with me. And that's kind of what we saw in the first season. And I'm looking forward to seeing that come back. I'm hoping that's what it is. Yeah, definitely. I, I kind of really see your point there as, as you, you kind of shine the light on the the race to a certain specific goal. It's almost like they had this grander picture and this is where we need to be to get to Ahsoka. Or this is where we need to be to potentially get to that movie that was announced at Sora's celebration. And we're going to sacrifice a little bit of this. They did that in Book of Boba Fett as well, where they sacrifice a bit of the season to set something up bigger, to set Ahsoka up, with, you know, to set up the Mandalorian. They sacrificed two whole episodes there. Mm -hmm. And and so it's interesting to see the the creatives, Dave Filoni and John John Favreau, juggle this concept of this connected universe story, this single narrative, uh, but also giving dues to the characters. Because like you, I I kind of see the similar things. But before we get into kind of that take from me, Ian, talk to me about Mandalorian season three. Are you seeing what Rob's seeing? What what are your kind of thoughts on on this season? Yeah, I think I, I feel exactly the same way. Um, you know, I loved every moment of the show. And even though like, there are shows that something like Andor, which I just think as a whole um, kind of flowed better, there's something about Mandalorian. There's some kind of magic there that always kind of hooks me. And it, it is my favorite of the, the Star Wars shows. Um, but yeah, I think as well, like I, I did see there was something a little off. Uh, and I think with this one, sometimes with the pacing and stuff, there were times where like I didn't see with previous seasons, it felt like I, like they were being made by different directors, different creators. So sometimes some episodes kind of stood out. Sometimes things weren't kind of addressed that were brought up in previous episodes. Um, and yeah, there, there were some big things that were kind of introduced and never really kind of 
then acknowledge later on in the show. Um, you know, the dark saber was an interesting one. Uh, I wasn't so against the way that it was kind of brought back to Bo. Um, but at the same time, you know, that was such a big event, her getting the dark saber back. I was quite surprised that they kind of left that to the end of one episode um, and didn't make such a big, a big scene out of it. And then there are lots like other little things, you know, like Gro Grog again, his kind of chest plate. We didn't really see what that was about. Um, there was the whole thing with Grogu being rescued from the the uh, the, the temple, the Jedi Temple, and that was great. That was great seeing it, but there was no kind of progression of that afterwards, and that's something that we might see later. Um, but it just felt like they were setting certain things up at different points, and we thought we were going to get it right at the end, and then we get that Jack Black episode, which kind of felt again a little out of place. And I enjoyed it. I, I loved that. it. It was really fun, <laughs> but it kind of felt like a weird spot to then throw that in. And then come to the end that a lot of the other stuff that we were thinking about never got addressed. Um, I, but that being I said, I absolutely I loved it. I, I I mean, I really loved every moment of the show. So it's hard for me to criticize it. But yeah, taking mm. a step back and looking at it, you do see these these kind of little weak points. I think we'll see more of that Jack Black sort of style in season four, which I again was one of my favorite episodes of the whole season, strangely enough. But I think hoping we're hoping to see, I'm hoping to see more of that in season four and just kind of it lead to one thing to another. I'm so glad you brought the Grogu as well, because we did get a like how he got out, but we still don't know how he got to the pirate's hands. Like, how did yeah. that happen? So there's still a big gap of how, okay, we got from A to B, but how did they get from B to C and then C the pirate? I, we still don't know how that happened. And I'm very curious about that sort of story. Yeah, it, it seems that this series as a whole, and I would include Book of Boba Fett into this and potentially even Ahsoka, where I'd, I'd almost call it a, an anthology series. You know, we're, we're very focused on a single story in Mando. And this show, in this season especially, deviates a lot from that, where Bo-Katan, kind of for the middle part, is the focal point, the main character of the story in that. And then you kind of get, it coming back around to the Mandalorian as they close out some of the threads from season one. But even with Book of Boba Fett, one of the things I said, it should have been called the Book of Tatooine because it was very much an anthology series of things that are going in and interconnected within Tatooine. But I, I kind of see this whole thing more, like I'm saying, like this anthology concept where it's not, you're following this one character, but he's not, and his story are not the the main focus all of the time. And I, I kind of like that when I step back and look at the series like that, where you're getting all these little pieces of star Wars and of the universe being told kind of concurrently with the single person that's walking you through this journey, the viewer or the audience's bird's eye view type thing is Mando. That's the character we're following. I, I kind of take away a lot from this because a lot happens throughout these last three seasons. A lot happens in this season in particular, because realistic, we thought the whole season would be him getting to Mandalore and there being something big at Mandalore, but that happens within the first couple episodes. And then they race to reestablish Bo-Katan, who I think is honestly going into her own show. And this is where a lot of maybe Star Wars and even Marvel and that suffer is, is building supplementary brands to what is going on, maybe at the I don't know if it's it's really hurting these shows, but you can definitely see them seeding something for for Bo-Katan. You could definitely see them seeding something for Boba Fett. 
and you can see them pushing things into Ahsoka and the big screen. And so I kind of look at it that way. And when I step back and look at it that way, I really enjoy it. Like things like that Blackjack episode. I watched that episode three times because the first time I watched it, I was like, I love this episode. And then I went online. Everyone's like, what the hell was this? And I was like, okay, maybe I missed something. I went back and rewatched it. And I was like, hell yeah, I still really like this. And then I watched it again. And I, I get that it's aloof and I get that it's different, but that's what I loved about it. And the very on the nose cameos, like having Christopher Lloyd in there. And it just felt very Star Wars-y. Like if you were to show up at a planet in Star Wars, I feel like that's exactly what it would be. And yeah. it has a very big ending. But Rob, the tone of this season, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. You've got some emotion. There's a lot of question about what the end was going to bring, what stakes it was going to set up. Did you feel that they kind of struck a consistent tone? Or were you okay with the ebbing and flowing and some of the, I guess, fake outs when it comes to the spies and all that? Uh, I think that I think more the feeling I got was distracted. Uh, I think they were a bit distracted at certain times. The Pershing episode, although yeah. in essence was, I, I liked the idea. It was too long and it took too much and it really didn't add anything to, in the final product, I don't think. I think the Pershing thing could have been wrapped up a lot sooner. I think, was that the same episode where they rescued the kid from the nest? Even that was kind of, even that part was kind of like, there was a point to it, but it just seemed like um, they could have taken it out of the picture. And uh, I don't know. It, I just seemed it was very distracted and the Mando shouldn't be the second fiddle to the storyline. Bo-Katan had a very big part and I think her character is fantastic, but it didn't, I don't know. It just seemed like uh, Mando should have been a little more hands-on-y when it came to just all the major parts of getting getting into the water, getting, you know, the sword. I'm going to kind of repeat myself a little bit, but I don't know. I just found it very distracted and losing focus at times. And it had a, a hint of what people didn't like in Boba Fett. And I loved Boba Fett. I, it's one of my second favorite of the group. Although I did recognize it was extremely distracted. And or flowed very well. And that's my least favorite, but just because of storyline more than anything else. But it flowed well. And I wish they had the, the Andor flow, but with the fun intensity that Mandalo, uh, that Boba Fett and, Man, and Mando had in those episodes. So... Yeah, Ian, tone and kind of pick up some of the threads that that Rob's bringing here with regards to the flow of it. And I, I like the contrast you pulled there to Andor because Andor is a very different show. It had a very focused direction where it was going. It was telling a single story as well. Um, you had supporting characters, but it was very heavily based off of Andor. And I think Mandalorian season one is very much like that as well. It's, it's a single character focus and following him where season two, season three, definitely not focusing on this single character. And so talk to me a little bit about that kind of this, this tone as well as in contrast to Andor, because I think arguably I, I absolutely loved Andor and I also love this, the very different, but it, it, I think it comes down to the, the focus of, of what they're trying to do. And, you know, Andor wasn't worried about building a bigger universe. It was about worried about fitting a story inside of a, of a window of time. Right. 
Yeah. Well, I think with Andor as well, like a lot of the characters were new characters. Like they weren't so well established. Mm-hmm. Like you're not really bringing in characters. The thing is with the Mandalorian is, you, you know, you've got Filoni behind it and he's got everything he's created through Rebels and Clone Wars. And, you know, he, he knows that the fans have these characters that they love and he's he's kind of weaving them into the tale and, and, and starting to bring them in so they can branch off into other stuff. Um, with Andor, I guess it was all kind of fresh and it was all new. You do get some kind of uh, characters from the the original trilogy and stuff, but I guess with that, like man, like you mentioned with Mandalorian season one, I think with season one it was a lot more focused on you know just Mandalorian mm-hmm. and his and his tale. Um, I think that's partly the problem maybe with this where it's gone you know three seasons plus Boba Fett where you're kind of comparing them. Um, the show's called The Mandalorian, and I think, you know, we're kind of expecting to see The Mandalorian and his story. And when they're going away with these other characters, it can be a little kind of feel like a bit of a disconnect. It can be a little distracting because you're kind of wondering why we're not focusing on these characters. And I do feel that, like, you know, I, I actually loved every episode of this season and I really enjoyed it, but there were times where I, I do feel like what Rob said, I did feel kind of distracted, especially the Pershing one. Like, I totally forgot about that. You just brought that up. But that episode, when I saw it, I really enjoyed it. But now the season is finished, I kind of wonder what the point of a lot of it was. Mm. Like, it didn't really serve much of a purpose. Um, you know, we got to see the clone situation at the end, but we didn't really get to see why, you know, they were so kind of adamant at getting him and you know wiping his brain and stuff i guess so he doesn't tell anybody maybe but it just didn't feel like it was so necessary it could have been a small thing you know it could have just been you know, they could have just assassinated him or killed him in in the space of a few minutes or something so it was I the andalorian that... <laughs> it was the andalorian <laughs> in that episode pretty much 100 yeah someone someone yeah. said i really liked how they made andor I would like to direct an episode of Andor, but in The Mandalorian. In The Mandalorian, yeah, it did feel like that, yeah. Um, it, so, yeah, I, it, I can understand that kind of, that w- why people would feel like that. You know, if you're watching the, 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 the uh, movies and they were called Luke Skywalker, you would expect the whole thing to be about Luke Skywalker. And because it's not, because it's called Star Wars, they have that ability to go off with other characters. Mm-hmm. With, with Mandalorian... I think, you know, a lot of people look at the titles, like the thing with the spies, um, like Book of Boba Fett. And I think sometimes we're looking at the title and thinking, you know, we should be getting only Boba Fett. We should only be getting the Mandalorian. Um, So, yeah, it kind of feels like we're comparing them, I think, the different episodes and the different series. And it's kind of making it a little bit, uh, making people a little bit more critical of them, I guess, maybe. I like the religious connections that were made throughout this whole series. Um, I remember reading or hearing about uh, the connection of the the Mandalorians who kept their helmet on are very close to, uh, help me out here, Hasidic Jews who never mm-hmm. take their hat off. And there was that connection of this is the way. And there was even the piece of glass that was brought in with, um, I believe, a, a, some script from Jewish scripture or so. And there's, there's a lot of uh, religion and religious um, feeling in a lot of, in the stories, which I kind of dug um, even, you know, trying to go, being removed from their homeland and trying to go back to the homeland and all that sort of stuff. I love that part of it because I think mm-hmm. even star Wars had that connection oh, yeah. of religion and politics, which people will deny, but 
freaking Star Wars was was had a strong connection to the to uh, Vietnam War for crying out loud. And it's just people kind of forget this. People when they see Jack Black, oh, we can't have famous people doing that. Alec Guinness was <laughs> and <laughs> and and freaking Tarkin were well-known actors before people realized who they were uh nowadays and it's just like samuel jackson was there and <laughs> these are famous people who do movies congratulations you got and that's how it works now so oh yeah. so, so i think people do worry about more becoming a simpsons episode well who's the who's the uh celebrity of the day and it does kill the simpsons and it makes it less special but for me i was <laughs> doing the old um leonardo dicaprio you know, I was whistling at the TV yeah. saying, hey, it's Jack Black, you know, so. When I, I'm trying to reflect on all this, because I'm of, of two minds of this, is I can see some of the disconnects, but also I just, I saw this, this really cool, you know, weekly pit stop inside of Star Wars. And like, I get the, the title, The Mandalorian. Who is The Mandalorian? I guess it's supposed to be Din, but this season it was Bo. <laughs> but it, it it just really feels like, I, I, you're almost watching like an animated episode of the Clone Wars, like each week, right? Where Floney was able to inside of that. And it's very much like you said, Ian, because it's called the Clone Wars, you have the ability to explore all avenues and all different pieces of the Clone Wars itself. You can be with the clones, you can be with Anakin, you can be, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't necessarily always have to be with the main character, with Anakin or Obi-Wan and same with the Rebels, right? There's all, all these, these offshoot episodes that kind of gave you the context and, you know, felt out of place, but down the road, they lead to something. Cause even inside of this, we get mentions of Thrawn. You've got the shadow council that's clearly setting up something bigger down the road. And so I, I almost feel like Favreau and Filoni are, are crafting these, this universe, this post return of the Jedi universe around this idea of they can tell a whole bunch of stories that center around a, a single character moving through all of them, but they don't necessarily need to be focused on said character and mm -hmm. you know you can go back to the from a certain point of view books where you know you're, you're looking at the same story but from different perspectives all the time and i i really dig that piece of it because it just it felt like we're finally doing this massive amount of exploring through the star wars universe we're not just following luke skywalker and as much as i want to see mando doing his thing how many weeks can we go through where he's just chasing another bounty you know what I mean? He's yeah. got to be part of a bigger story. And, you know, that that gets tiresome, them crashing on a random planet and fighting spiders or what have you, right? You, you need to progress and evolve that story. And to do that, to keep him interesting, especially for a guy that never takes his helmet off, you have to bolt things onto the side of it, I think. Yeah. And this year, it was a lot of Bo-Katan. It was a lot about Mandalore. And um, I was really surprised that we didn't see him lose the bucket again in this in this uh, series. Um, I don't even know if uh, Pedro Pascal was ever on set, to be honest with you. Um, but it I, let's talk about where where it landed because this this was something you know walking into it. There's this expectation that is set by all these shows and specifically The Mandalorian, really, where this epic ending is expected. And building from the spies, there's a lot of discussion. And albeit it was a lot of fan discussion, we had invented this concept that there was going to be another spy. There's going to be a heel turn, if you will, if I can steal a term from wrestling, <laughs> uh, from one of the, the few people that they teased. And, you know, they did tease, you know, 
three or four people very specifically that they were potentially the spies. Nothing really ever came out of that. But Ian, where this ends, specifically with kind of the end battle, we've got this Remnant Empire piece. We're closing out, I think, the Moff Gideon story, but no body, no death. Maybe you could assume from there. And then where it actually ends, it, it kind of ends in a very safe spot. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I think this, the spicing just going back to that was quite an interesting one. It makes me wonder if that was intentional. I don't know. Like, did they intentionally call it the spice so people would come up with all these different fan, fan theories? But they um, had like, like inside the story, like, I think, I think so. It's a buzz, right? They didn't release the name right away. It was released with the title. It wasn't on Disney Plus, at least mine. But then you got like Axe Woves, the armor. You've got all these people that at the end of that episode, they go their ways. Into and it's different places. Not, like, yeah. it's very specifically misleading. Well, some people that, have been saying that people look, just look too much into it. Actually, the spies were just the Mandalorians going down to Mandalore. They went down to spy Mandalore, and that was just the whole idea of just them spying out what was down there. So the Mandalorians going down to Mandalore were the spies. And it makes it, I don't know, like, it's it's an interesting one, because even if if they if it was intentional, um, I think it's a bit cheeky in the way that they didn't ever acknowledge it. You know, it's a strange thing to have because you have to really give an answer to it. Um, well, like, yeah. just, I just want to set the picture for that, just like from my perspective. So you've got the random Mandos that are on the planet that no one's ever seen. And you've got this like Empire Remnant that's like building bases and stuff. Weird that they didn't say anything. Axe Woves taken off through the thing, disappears at the right moment while the guys, the armor disappears also in a ship going back up. You know what I mean? Like there's all these little pieces that they had set in a place to make you question like, okay, but if the episode all... wasn't called the spies, would you have ever questioned all of those actions of all those people? Uh, probably not. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was questioning the armor for the longest time. I thought she was for sure going to lose the helmet and be like, I am part of the empire. Well, I think I posted on Twitter, right. And then Timmy even put like a, like a, a gif or gif of, of the armor. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, like, I think where it ended, like, I'm actually, like, especially with the armor, I'm so glad she wasn't a spy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was the big one for me. Like, you know, the whole thing was them returning to Mandalore. You had all the Mandalorians coming together. It was such a massive event. You know, anyone who's followed the Mandalorians, you know, through the Clone Wars and, and, and Rebels and stuff, like, just seeing that happen would be kind of really bad at the end if they then revealed that, you know, the armor was a spy mm -hmm. and that, you know, you can't actually trust all Mandalorians. They don't all have honor. And it kind of just take, it would take away from everything that they've kind of built towards. So I think at the end, just having everybody have their time to shine in that last episode was just, was glorious man like i absolutely loved everything about the episode and we got to see everyone we got to have a whole r5 moment like just having having him being yes. a hero which was freaking fantastic man and then you know even axe uh, axe woes got to be a hero and you know he's a guy that we don't get to see as much and see what he gets to do um and the everyone just got their moment their oh there. man well the dark saber moment like I posted a thing of that on a post of that on Twitter, and that just went crazy. Just everybody's just like liking it. Everyone's commenting on just that moment where she's just flying for this sky, and just the visuals in that episode. For that, the whole season's been amazing. But in that episode, just seeing all these Mandalorians flying through the sky, air battles. You know, you got to see 
the fight from different points of view, different perspectives, which I think was really well done. You know, you have Mando down here, you have Bo over here, and um, the armor over here, and mm. you can actually see people fighting in the background. So you always felt like you were part of this massive battle. Uh, and yeah, just like how it came together for me was just just super fun. Like there were so many moments where I'm like jumping out of my seat, just super happy with enjoyment. Um, and yeah, you know, coming up to the end, I think it's quite clever what they've done because they've given themselves a bit of a clean slate now where yes. they can actually go in any direction and whatever they decide to do with the other shows, such as um, Ahsoka or uh, Skeleton Crew and stuff, they can then actually weave that in. So they've got some time now to, you know, play with those ones and then weave Mando back in. And it's good in the way that we're kind of back at season one where he is just a lone bounty hunter uh and we get to have those kind of stories but at the same time if they want to make it a bit of a bigger thing and bring in all the other characters they can also do that so i think mm. it's a really clever uh way to to kind of wrap things up gave us such epic moments but at the same time it also took the story to a place where it can go in any direction now so i think that's really good yeah and like when i said it's safe spot it's exactly the point that you're making with regards to the end of the show it's that clean slate we don't need two episodes in Ahsoka to get Bob or to get the Mandalorian into a position for season four. We don't need to do the work to get Grogu back into his, you know what I mean? So they've left themselves in a spot where he can be picked up and put anywhere in this universe. And they needed that because I'm assuming they're still writing the movie and I guarantee he's going to be in it. And they don't want to have to spend a whole bunch of time being like, Oh, well he got, he got Grogu back and then he got a new ship and then he got this and then he gave up. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to spend any time doing that. They can just say like, he showed up from Navarro. He's good to go to fight Thrawn. Well, Grogu, Grogu's a difficult one. Cause I was talking about this with someone else and just the fact that Grogu, the, the problem that they've got with Grogu is just his aging. And, you know, in the show, I don't know if we can ever see Grogu develop that much. Like, you know, can we ever see Grogu being a full blast force user in the way that he's not a child because you know in another 50 years how much will he have developed and in 50 years time mando is not going to be alive anymore we'll see it, so it makes... we'll, we'll see it in the ray movie mm-hmm. in the ray yeah <laughs> i can see it <laughs> happening it's a good point yeah. yeah him showing up rob the the end of this this show and kind of how they they wrap i would say the majority of the threads there's some stuff still left dangling as you would with a, a continuation into a season four that's been confirmed and favreau's writing it but Mando, where we're at right now, what do you what do you kind of see for the future of this guy, and, and how are you with where they left it? Um, before I, before I tell you that, uh, when you mentioned heel turn, the first thing that came to my mind is tell me you're from Calgary without telling me you're from Calgary, <laughs> <laughs> right? Home of Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stampede Wrestling. Watched it all the time as a kid. Um, I it was funny because I was watching that and the end, and you had the iris close, and I was expecting to hear. <laughs> You know, just at the end, it was kind of a bit campy, but I liked it. It was something cute about Mm it. Um, I feel the episode was really short. The last, Mm. because I, when I checked the time, I'm like, oh my God, there's only 15 minutes left of this. And they're going to wrap things up really quick. I felt they should have been a little more epic, a little more bigger, a lot more action going on. Just, just a little bit more. But I mean, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, whether you believe the dude's dead or not, or that's his clone, he wasn't having a mustache. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I saw that. I, I, you know what? Sometimes just 
what okay fine just <laughs> let's see what happens and and if, if we've it, done it for 40 years speculation is is just ingrained in the star wars fandom yeah it's like luke with two u's or three u's or whatever it was right <laughs> so um what if it is that's fine i think they're gonna I think we're going to tilt our focus towards the new Thrawn or, or the Thrawn, the, uh, the, the story of him coming back and mm. the rise, uh, the era of the empire. Sorry. I think that's going to be our focus. Just like you had with the Marvel universe, everybody's focusing on, on, uh, help me out with the name Thanos. Thanos. Thank you. Uh, everybody's focused on Thanos. Everything's building up to Thanos. Well here, everything's building up to Thrawn, I think. And that's what Ahsoka is going to build. And I think when we're, so that's going to lead back to your original question, what's happening in season four. I think he's going to be doing his, his sort of thing, you know, hunting down people, talking to Carson Tiva, uh, and, uh, just getting some bounties, but then it opens up a whole new Pandora's box with this dark, uh, the secret uh, people, dark shadow, ca- shadow cabinet. Thank you. If you've never listened to my show, by the way, you're going to know <laughs> they're a drinking game and you get plastered after 15 minutes of every time I forget a name or mispronounce something. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to see more of that. We're going to see Thrawn coming back. We're going to see, I think it's going to build up. Everything from here on eight is going to build up to that uh, Mandoverse sort of movie. And um yeah. And that's, again, why I'm looking forward to it, because we have a focus now. We may see Boba pop in again. We heck, we could even see the Scooter Gang pop up again, and oh, I yeah. would love that. I'm sorry Woo-hoo! to say. So I, <laughs> I like that. I kind of dug them. But it's just, this is all sort of, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. And they had to wrap this up. And and I didn't know there was a, is there a Bo-Katan show coming out? Because No, I don't I, think it's announced. It's yeah. possible. It has not been announced, but I would definitely say it's in the cards. Yeah, well, I mean, she's, I've like, seen her in lots of interviews and she seems to really be pushing for this character. Like she really wants it. And I mean, like she does, I mean, Katie Sackhoff, she's great. Like I'd yeah, love to see her yeah. in the show. I think there's going to have to be some kind of explanation because we're going to have to find out what happens to Mandalore. Um, yes, exactly. Because that's, like, that's what, it. By the time of the the sequel movies, like where was Mandalore? You know, why didn't they ever pop up in the in the kind of in battles? Why didn't they fight? I think there's fight. some ships in the Rise of Skywalker, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not really a ship guy, but it's gonna uh, be it's yeah. gonna be exciting. And um I like that uh we don't have a full plan of what's going on. And um a lot of people complain that, oh, this is just all this is just to com- explain why Palpatine's back. Well, they kind of did a little um bait and switch there at the in the last and that's what i kind of mm. really liked about it. the clones were for him it wasn't for a palpatine it had nothing to do with no. palpatine he was being a little greedy and um i would like it to end there too it's just like he tried but then you know the shadow cabinet kind of like well look what he did they find out what he did and, was, and that gets them on the track what he accidentally did was uh help out palpatine in the end so well, like if you go to the aftermath books that were written in the like, there are some of the first books, if not the first books of the Disney era that happen at the end of Return of the Jedi. They they have this shadow council or whatever it is. They have Hux's dad is there and he's the cloner. And this is all seeded in books and stuff like that. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch more that's been done since those books. But it all kind of starts to bleed into the rise of the first order, but we're going to take this really nice pit stop in heir to the empire of like the true remnant empire. And I'm assuming we're going to get the dreadnought ships and this is what he's trying to build Thrawn. And I think it's going to be 
unbelievable. And I, I was really thrilled with this season personally. I, I think it, it, it left on the right note. It delivered kind of this anthology style of series that I've come to expect and actually quite adore inside of the, the Mando universe where we get to kind of explore just a little bit of everything. I think Ahsoka is going to be very much the same. Like there's going to be episodes that are focused on Sabine. There's going to be ex- episodes that are focused on Hera and Thrawn. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be a single line narrative with Ahsoka being the focal point. I might be completely wrong, but I, I just don't think that I think we're going to get much more of the same because you have so many characters that they're juggling in, in Ahsoka. Is this before or after Hera has her child? After. The, it's after, it's yeah. after. So the child's going to be involved in as well, right? Yeah, Jason. Or is it Jason? Jason Sindula? Oh, that that right? yeah, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. Jason Jason's a Jackson? name that they've used Jackson? many times. And, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just, I, I've, I'm a little, still a little confused on my timelines and where they all fit. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, because like Rebels happens kind of in the build to A New Hope. And then the end of Rebels is actually after Return of the Jedi, kind mm-hmm. of in the wake of the fall of the Empire and all that. And you get to see these characters. And I'm assuming they're going to kind of dig right into that. Uh, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of Rebels, like Ahsoka shows up and grabs Sabine and says, like, hey, let's go find Ezra. Yeah. Well, uh, they go off on the, the adventure to go and find Ezra. But I guess, like, we don't really know how far that scene was after the mm-hmm. other events of Rebels. Because, yeah. you know, even Ahsoka looks a little bit different and she's got a kind of yeah, know, a shroud on and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they'll explain that, but there's there's going to be a bit of a time gap. There's quite a bit. And mm. Thrawn's been gone for quite a while. And if he's returning, he's, I guess that will kind of explain Ezra's return yeah. if they do yeah. bring him in. So it just makes me wonder, like, I guess, I think, as you said, I think Ahsoka's going to be more of a Rebels kind of live action mm-hmm. show where they're going to be kind of telling that story. And like, as you said, working towards Thrawn as the big bad at the end. And that's probably when we're going to start to see maybe the rest, maybe Ezra coming back into it. And that's how they get joined to everything as well. Yeah, because if, if that movie is going to be out in 26 or 27, there's a lot of space to tell way more stories like on Disney Plus inside of the Ahsoka series two or Mando season four, or even like I would be surprised if you get something like Mandalore or Mandalore or the Mandalorians or something like that. Isn't Skeleton Skeleton Cruise set around the same time as well, right? I think it's set. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, So there's also those characters. They're going to be all fresh new characters that they're going to kind of bring across as well. I saw an interview recently with Favreau and he was saying how they kind of, they were writing season four of the Mandalorian as they go along. And because mm-hmm. they're making the Soka show and Skeleton Crew, they've got to make sure it all kind of works together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of clear that they are trying to build all these different things in these different places. Because it's kind of strange that they've set everything during the same period of time. And um, yeah, like Rob said, like they're kind of working towards this kind of end game moment where Thorne's going to be, you know, we've got another blue guy as the big bad. And everybody's <laughs> going to come in from every different direction to to kind of take him down, yeah. which will be really cool. It'd be great to have that in the Star Wars universe. Well, they're they're building the Star Wars like MCU esque universe without <laughs> the luxury of having twenty some odd films to establish the universe and character progression and character development. They're doing inside of Disney Plus, and I think that's where some of the give and take is on this. Is that you know whether it started off this way probably not but as and i bet they didn't realize mandalorian was going to drive this man like i bet they didn't realize that mandalorian was going to be the one that's like takes everything forward 
I guess mm. that that must have come as a big surprise to him. Like that show has just taken off so much now. It's like, look, we're going to take this and use this to like create this whole big event. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guarantee yeah, they didn't sit down day one and been like, all right, by uh, by this year, we're going to have Ahsoka <laughs> and Hera and Sabine live action. We're going to have this like brand new Mandalorian. Boba Fett's going to have his his uh, like a whole story surrounding his redemption and all this. kind of stuff. But, I thought anyways. Mandalorian. I thought Mandalorian was going to end up being Boba Fett. I actually well, thought Mandalorian, Mandalorian was going to progress to the introduction of Boba Fett and then Boba Fett take over. But I felt like Mandalorian became so much more popular than actual Boba Fett that, like, you know, they decided to go with that character. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of well, felt I like... Well, I think originally both Favreau and Filoni showed up with similar-ish ideas, like a lone gunslinger, and then something expanding on the what Filoni had done in Clone Wars and Rebels and all that, but in live action. And I think someone said, okay, smash these ideas together and go. <laughs> and it's kind of like the first season was very much, I think, Favreau's lone gunslinger season. Season two and season three has been very much about that universe building that, that Filoni's been a big part of with the, the animation. But um, but let's leave Star Wars there, guys, for, for a moment. We're going to be coming back to Star Wars here in just a few minutes. But let's quickly talk about this brand new Flash trailer. It dropped today. CinemaCon is happening right now. It's a big convention where they're showing... Uh, I believe it is like the the vendors, like the actual cinemas, um, the owners and all these type people, these kind of looks as to what is coming, what they can prepare for, for the movie theaters, what they can center up theaters around promotion, these type of things. And The Flash has been put up on this pedestal early on by James Gunn. And this was meant to be really, my, really the, the beginning of the major push into the promo for the flash it was yes we've gotten a trailer we have an idea what's about we've seen the mcfarland toys but this trailer that they dropped on us was being hailed as as kind of this epic centerpiece to the promotional campaign and i have to say it freaking delivered holy this 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 movie feels like a true event film the film that you want to and that you have to go see in theaters there's no choice here you had to go see the flash in theaters, not only because I have it in the box office pool, but because <laughs> it, it's a <laughs> yeah, little, little, little plug there, but because it, when you watch this thing with Keaton and his, his dialogue, his tone across this trailer, Sasha Calais, Supergirl, the flash, Barry Allen, like everything they put together here, just it, it, I got emotions. I got goosebumps by the end of it. Even something as simple as showing all the different logos as the trailer closed out, I was like, holy, like my first reaction not only was excitement, but being like, damn, I'm kind of sad that we're not going to get any more of this universe. And then Carlos aptly and nicely pointed out, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good way to leave this universe, um, leave it off, leave it to, to kind of put it on the shelf and, and progress forward. But but Ian, talk to me about this uh, this Flash trailer. Uh, dude, yeah, like, I mean, because of the time difference here, I woke up to that trailer this morning and I put it on and, man, it just, like, immediately made my day, man. It was just so freaking good. Just, like, you know, being someone growing up in the 80s with, you know, Keaton as my Batman and seeing him there, like, you know, I always thought, like, bringing him back, he's going to be a bit too old. He's not going to play such a big part in the movie. You're going to see him here and there. And, man, he's just everywhere yeah and he looks so good even just seeing him you know with his full head of hair and 
you know, saying the same lines and these deliveries. What are your nuts? Just, it's just absolutely perfect, man. Like, I loved it. And just the visuals, everything about it looks really good. Oh, and I think the, so the way, like, clearly, you know, James Gunn's seen this movie and he thought, you know, there's no way we're going to scrap this one. Like, mm-hmm. this one has to come out. And, you know, he's behind it. And I think if he's behind it, then, you know, we have to believe that this is going to be a fantastic movie. And yeah. just seeing like each each and every one, we got a bit more of the story as well, so you can kind of figure out what's going on. You know, we got to see the other Flash in in the bat suit, and he mm-hmm. looks really great as well. Um, and I'm glad there's a lot of positivity around it because you know, with a lot of the the controversy from it before, even with like yeah. Ezra, like I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a big Ezra fan, and I even made a joke about it today on, on Twitter that you know, if someone had told me that I was gonna have Ezra Miller as my my phone wallpaper last year <laughs> like i'd tell them that they were crazy but like just because he looks so freaking good i've got that on my wallpaper i've got that on my screen everything about it just looked great the bat wing um zord uh zord zod 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 fantastic it all looks so good and two things i want to pull there before i get to you rob is the visuals, like you said, there's moments in there that are just jaw-droppingly awesome. The Flash stuff, that moment when Batman comes out of the Batwing and the Batwing like, scrapes into the, the moon like it did in, in previous films. Just unbelievable. But do yourselves a favor, guys. Go pop on a good pair of headphones and watch this trailer again. The sound design is phenomenal. When Barry's running through time... There's moments when he's on that bed screaming, getting electrocuted, stuff with the Batwing and Batman. I listened to it with earbuds on. The first time I watched it, I was sitting in my office, didn't catch all that. I popped big headphones on and listened. Oh, that's gonna that that just took it to another level for me. But Rob, you know, your podcast is focused around the modern look uh, of a retro lifestyle, correct? That, did <laughs> very, I say it right? Very good. The modern look of ah, a retro lifestyle. Yeah, there you go. So so you've got someone, like we're talking retro lifestyle, you got someone like Keaton coming back into the fold here. And like Ian said, playing a prominent role in this film, which was surprising to me. I thought glorified cameo, maybe a bit of a supporting cast, but he he's shoulder to shoulder right now with screen time, at least from the trailer, with Ezra Miller's Flash, who is the title character here. So seeing someone like that come back, What's your interest level here? Let, let's step aside from Star Wars a little bit <laughs> and and hear your thoughts on The Flash. The, okay. I This is where I'm surprised I was invited on the show because Carlos <laughs> knows... I know, sorry. I know Carlos is a huge Batman fan. Mm. I cannot stand Batman. That being said, <laughs> that being said... <laughs> <laughs> I, I okay sorry i'm gonna say something like flat out and carlos will, will get so upset about this but i think he's the most overrated superhero in the modern era but that being said i am literally holding batman 89 in my nice. hand dvd we are doing a movie review of this in a couple weeks and i love this batman I, it's because of, you know, this is the Batman I remember. I was a huge DC fan, comic book, Justice League International. Hell, I even read Amazing Man. And I guarantee a lot of people don't even know what, who that superhero is. But I was a huge DC fan, never really a Marvel fan. But I have not watched any of the recent movies, none of them. I really want to see Suicide Squad. I think that's the one that will speak to me most because it has 
twits like the javelin and polka dot man and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff peacemaker i kind of dig that and i really want to see that it's just a matter of time watch the so, peacemaker show as well it's so i've good. watched a couple episodes i actually enjoyed it judo masters so in there and it's just so like good. okay these are now they're 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 picking at my my retro feels here but so i haven't watched any of this i have not watched any of the new batman stuff i haven't even caught up with the justice league nothing and so why i feel that i can actually add something to this conversation is i'm the regular person who's not keeping up with the lore i mean i talk mm-hmm. to people at work who talk i talk about star wars and they're a little bit like well who's this who's that what's going on here what's going on there i'm that person now and i'm like i had no idea the ga i'm <laughs> i'm the general audience yes because i have mm-hmm. no idea like this whole story i was looking i'm like why the hell is zod here why the hell is batman i mean i go this is spider-man that's and that's iron man and that's spider-man flash is playing spider-man and batman's playing iron man and zod well he's here apparently and there's supergirl i was shocked to see supergirl i'm like i don't know how any of this connects but when i saw keaton i heard i heard talk about keaton i hadn't even watched any of the trailers and i was like that's keaton and when he's you want to get nuts let's get nuts you know i'm like (laughs) <laughs> okay now you got okay you just purposely did that to get 20 bucks out of me off the ticket for it and it's i was a little now i'm curious but i don't know if i'm curious enough to see it in the theaters but it did look good um i'm kind of like i've been catching up with you and listening to your, obviously listen to your podcast when you guys were talking about new stuff coming out of dc like blue beetle that's my boy but this new blue beetle is kind of past that but i'm it's like booster gold's coming back and i'm like okay so now after hearing all that and seeing this flash i'm like maybe i should kind of check into this maybe a little bit more now you got my interest again well this one funny enough that you say that and i love that you're bringing that ga perspective because that's something that we often miss here is <laughs> we're we're so Kind of, uh, Carlos used to explain it as you know we're we're goldfish inside of this bowl, and our whole world is inside of this this little bowl. We're swimming around this little castle, this uh, <laughs> this pop culture castle. And that's that we think it's the biggest thing and the greatest thing in the world, but actually there's a whole other world out there, and no one cares about the little castle that we're swimming around. Yeah, and we're so invested in these universes and inside of this fandom, following things week to week, being very in tune with the subtleties of the connective tissues between movies, and you know Marvel made the GA care about those connected tissues. And that's why I think they've, they've been so successful. And DC has had this, this progressive ebb and flow about how connected things are, the progression, the quality. And they've gotten to a point where they're, they're really hitting on all cylinders or moving on all cylinders here or firing, I should say. And I, I think bringing in that GA perspective about like, if you aren't actually caught up with all this, you don't have the benefit of, you know, spending the last decade invested in things like Iron Man and Thor and Captain America is that are the GA going to turn out to this? And it's interesting to say that like the thing that's got you intrigued is not so much the story of the title character in the flash, but it's Keaton's Batman. Yeah. And so you're connecting up generations of, of film goers here with this trailer in particular. And it's probably why Keaton is so heavily featured. Cause when I look at this, I'm like, Oh, this is an epic ending. So th- this Rob, for your information, this is, close to the ending of the DCU and all that other stuff, it, Booster Gold and 
I think Blue Beetle is going to be included. And there's going to be a new Batman, new Superman, new all this stuff. So all the stuff that's happened over the last 15 years is going to be in shelves as part of this universe. And The Flash is likely the movie that's going to close it out and cause this ripple effect through time. So is this but, like the new Crisis on Infinite Earths, I guess, if we're sure. talking my language here? Because, I mean, Flash was a major part of that, obviously, mm. um, when we were talking like back in 1985. And because I've like I haven't dis uh, Marvel did it right. They knew how to grow the story throughout all these movies and just make it all. You had to watch all of them to really kind of enjoy the full thing, but you didn't have to watch all of them because in the end they kind of, they kind of have this grand finale of things going on. I didn't feel that with DC. It's kind of scattered here, kind of scattered there. There's a Batman movie. Then there's the Shazam movie, which aren't related. And why is Shazam and not Black Adam not related? I mean, those are the, it's like Lex <laughs> Luthor and Superman, but they never meet each other. Like those two should be meeting each other. But, you know, for whatever reason, I'm assuming it's Rock's problem. But it's just like, I just, <laughs> I'm hoping they do a restart off this one and maybe make it a little more interesting so I can get back into following or get the general audience into following a DC story and have it, like, keep your interest. Keep the flow. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what they're doing, to be honest. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, just going back over the DC stuff, like, I I, I mean, the comparison to Marvel is, is it's so different. Um, whether they kind of wrap this up well enough where it will feed into something else is is to be seen. I don't know if it will be a kind of jump to something else or if it's just going to just close off here and then the next thing will be so different and so fresh and so mm. new. Um, but yeah, like I, I partly wonder with this this new movie, is it going to... is Has it been made to please the diehard fans who have stuck with things or has it been made in a way that is going to be more accessible to a general audience? Cause I don't really think, of course they want it to be successful, but I don't know if they ever think that it's going to be well received by such a general audience. You know, I take my wife as, as the GA and she watches all the Marvel stuff and she loves it. Um, but you know, when I went to go see Shazam, she said to me, you like, you like Shazam? Like she's never really sat through most of the DC stuff other than the, the Nolan Batman trilogy. And, you know, I, I kind of think with this new movie, like, are they going to ever try to please a general audience? Cause the actual trailer, just a lot of the stuff that we actually saw in that trailer does still feel like an extension of the stuff that we saw in the earlier trailer. Oh, hundred um, percent. And there's, yeah. there's so much stuff that isn't shown. And I think we're going to be quite surprised by all the other stuff that they're going to bring into it. But it just makes me wonder with the Batman, like the 89 Batman, are they bringing him in, uh, bringing Keaton in for the fans? Because I don't think the majority of the general audience are old enough to even care so much about Keaton's Batman. Like, again, I feel like we're at the age where he is of importance to us, but not necessarily to, to everyone. So... You know, it'll be interesting to see how well this is executed uh, in a way that it, it is more accessible to more people. And I, to be honest, I don't even know if it, it needs to be. No, and I, I think that, like, it, it's got a vibe to it, like I said at the start of this event style of film. It's got some elements in it that look exciting. And the one thing that we have to remember, too, is when this movie was actually made, when it was conceived, written, it was under a different regime NWB a different regime with DC as far as like the creative direction it was meant to be fitting into the universe that Keaton was coming into is going to be part of Batgirl he was going to be the Batman of that universe going forward and so 
all these pieces that are in motion right now are pieces that were, were pushed in that direction three, four, five years ago. And we're just seeing it because of COVID come to fruition now. And, and so I think, well, for sure, this movie was not written to be the end of the DC film universe. What they might have done is gone in and tweak a few things at the end, added in credit scene, and made it just that, that crisis. So it's not going to be the crisis movie. It might have this knock-on effect at the end where it's like Barry Allen screwed up the timeline. That's it. DCU pops up new James Gunn stuff. So like that, that's the advantage that they still have to get through Aquaman, which comes out at the end of the year, which is going to be the hell out of a lot of people. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of speculation that the flash and Aquaman would have been switched. You're going to finish out with the flash, but they'll just kind of fit the Aquaman in and be like, "Eh, it just happened because both movies, I think have had multiple end credit scenes shot for them. Mm-hmm. as regimes changed as creatives changed as the story changed so um, it's definitely gonna be interesting it looks like a lot of fun and i i like i said i i it got has this event feel to me and there's just some moments in there that are just like yes all day bring it on but guys let's let's we'll take a couple minutes here because one thing you know as we close this thing out here one thing i wanted to touch on um outside of the 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 movie discussion and all that and the film discussion, TV show discussion is, is, is trooping. So Rob here, he is, uh, he's a 501st member and rebel legion and rebel legion, of course. And he's got um, a YouTube channel where called the outer rim rookie, where he's chronicled for years. His (laughs) like, it's, I I absolutely love it. I think it's one of the most underrated YouTube channels on the internet. Um, (laughs) <laughs> he's chronicled his journey into the 501st. And Rob, can you give my listeners here or our listeners here an idea of what the 501st is and what you kind of guys do before I ask you just like a couple questions? Because I think it's such an interesting aspect of fandom. We talk a lot about fandom. We talk a lot about movies and speculation and following things. But that that's only one piece of fandom. There's this whole other branch, specifically Star Wars fandom, that that can immerse you in a different way than following along with the, the canon nature of this or action figure collecting, like both Ian and I do, or, you know, getting into the, the novels and books like Rick does, or, or really immersing yourself in the movie going experience. There's this other piece of it that I want you to talk about here. Uh, okay. Well, the 501st and rebel Legion, um, they are fan Okay, let me try this again. I, I run the PR department for both the 501st Outerim Garrison <laughs> as well as the Falcon Base uh, Rebel Legion. But they are a, a fans who dress up in in screen accurate costumes. I mean, there is a CRL, which is our costume reference library, and the costumes have to look just like what you see in the movies. It's to create that realism. It has to create that um, that effectiveness to to our visitors who come donate money to not us, but to the cause that we're, we're trooping for, whether it's a variety, uh, BC children's hospital, whatever the charity has asked us to attend, we're there to bring awareness and hopefully bring money to, uh, to support them. And we do that by taking photographs, being present, uh, at the event, just to draw people in uh there's one of my favorite things which is blasted trooper where i run around in a in a stormtrooper or in my case a biker scout costume and people pay 
a couple of bucks, five, 10, 15 bucks to shoot me with a Nerf gun. Mm -hmm. And um, all this is done because A, we love dressing up like, uh, like action figures and B, we raise awareness and money for charities in our community. And like the recent fan expo we had in, um, in Vancouver here raised, what was it? 12, about $12,000 for variety. And wow. that is a lot of money. The recent, I just did a troop last weekend in Victoria at a toy and com at a toy and hobby show. And we raised $1,200 just for two days, all based on people wanting to take a photograph with us because our costumes are realistic. We connect with them. We're not just standing there and just saying, yep, move along, move along. We, we, we connect with them. We have fun with them. We say hi to the kids. We are bad guys doing good. And um, it is a tremendous amount of fun. And it's so rewarding. Like I will spend my own money just to go to Victoria on a ferry and uh, we hang out with each other. We're like-minded people in many ways. So we're all talking nerdy stuff and talking about Mandalorian, all this stuff, hanging out at each other's houses, sleeping over if we have to. And uh, then troop first thing morning and all day we're there and we're just smiling, posing and smiling, posing, smiling, posing, smiling, posing. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted you are tired and you are so your cup is full and, and you are so you feel so good at the end this is like the most rewarding thing i've done uh next to teaching in itself and i'm an educator in my real job but i put so much love and passion into this this is like really changed my life over the last three four years and so the youtube channel that you mentioned um like i started like seven eight years ago um, it's, yeah, seven years ago, like we had, uh, Terry, who was the commanding officer at the time of the outer room garrison, come to, come to Anil's house. And we all sat around he had all, here's, here's a helmet. Here's, here's a blaster. Here's this, here's that. And we're, we're sitting there looking at all this stuff. And I immediately turned to, uh, Anil and go, this is what I want to do. I want I want to dress up as a scout trooper and I want to do this. And then eventually you, you get one costume and you're just like, I want to do another costume. And I dress up like Nian Nun. And then I'm like, I want to do another costume. Now I'm, now I'm building my Rigi's costume, which is like <laughs> a, a, a kid dream for me because I am the self-described very first Rigi's cosplayer. I've seen way, the picture. Way back in <laughs> 1985. And if anybody can find a picture before that, prove it to me because that movie was only two years, two years old at that time. But um, it's just like, this has been like a, a fun, satisfying journey for me. And so when I am able to share what we do, whether it's on my own YouTube channel or as I run the um, PR for Outer Room Garrison and their YouTube channel, and there's videos on there, uh, which I'm assuming you'll link, uh, Tim, to like... Mm -hmm. So you want to become a member of the 501st. So what do you, what do we do? Here's what we do. Here's some of the troops that we did. Here's some of the activity. Here's some of the money we raised. This is what we do. Would you like to join us? And it's simple as that. It's a, it's a hard process though. Don't get me wrong. It's not as easy. I can go to Walmart and grab it, grab a costume. It's a lot of work. And my whole show was based on a beginner's journey to join the 501st. I didn't know how to sew. I don't know how to build. I like Terry, my, my buddy, Terry Chu, who builds and designs props for movies and TV show DC shows, if you can believe that. And, uh, and, um, and I had my friend Dale on there and it's just like, they knew how to do it, but they were teaching me how to do it. And I've, I've learned so many skills where when I designed my second costume, me and none, it became easier 
and it was like, wow, this is so I'm, I learned so much. And so my goal as an educator in general is to help others join. And it's cool when um, I've run into a couple of people who are now 501st members like I watched your show. I got inspired. I want to join. And here I am. And it's just like it's kind of cool when you have that, that influence of um, I'm an influencer folks. If you have that influence <laughs> of just getting people to want to join because it really is worth it. It's so worth it. And you've got to put the time and effort into it. Don't get me wrong. It is hard work, but when you do it for the right reasons to help kids and uh, like I have a saying, and I'm, I've talked a lot here, I'm sorry, but I have a saying uh, that I even put on my personal coin. It's uh, we don't do it to relive our childhood. We do it so kids can live theirs. And that's what it's all about. I have a good friend who I work with, Sabrina. Her child was born with cancer. Born, how do you not get any chance in life? The minute you're out, they, they sense, they, 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 they know you have a tumor. And it's just like, this kid was not given a chance right off the beginning. And so the BC Children's Hospital is there to support. And there's, and there's all these people there to support. And so my best way I can do it, and even having students who've had to deal with childhood cancer, it's my best way of helping them out and, mm -hmm. uh, and future kids from here on in. So that in a nutshell, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work. Don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot of support. And so whether, whether you're in the badlands, like in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and they're like, they're all great groups. And, or in my case, the Outerham Garrison, which is the best group, I gotta tell you, it, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So. That's awesome. I appreciate wow. that rundown because it's it, it's it's such a cool concept and mm. it's a, it's a very admirable thing. Um, and you get to have a little fun on the side of it. Ian, ever consider joining the the? Is there, is there know, a garrison like, in Japan? I've, I've actually thought like I mean I go to all the events here. They love Star Wars in Japan. So May fourth they go crazy and you know they all come out. They have Star Wars events. They have these big screenings. They have orchestras outside playing Star Wars music. And, you know, I was at Comic-Con uh, not that long ago and you see the 501st over here. Um, always the same, the same people. Huge. I always see the same people yeah. there. Um, it's and, a worldwide yeah, like, organization. I always want to be part of it. Yeah. But it's just, it just seems like one thing that's interesting to me, like just you saying like it's hard work um, and like, you know, it's a hard day's work is that's one th thing I feel when I go to these events and I take photos with them. I'm like, you can't see these guys under their, their helmets. And I just think, man, how do they do this? Like they just, <laughs> they're there being so polite and taking photos where they want to make, they enjoy it because they're there. But man, I've got buckets all along here and man, I can't keep that thing on my head for 10 minutes. <laughs> like you wear that for a whole day. Like, yeah. how do you see? How do you get through yeah, there? Man? Like, you're like, yeah, you're like Mando, right? Just you can't take your helmet off. Oh, you yeah, start to get a real yeah. understanding of how this is so unrealistic. You can't see nothing. I mean, you see yeah, the old yeah, right. films of stormtroopers falling over each other in in blooper reels and stuff. That's <laughs> that's almost like it. I mean, there's so many jokes of stormtroopers not being able to sit. And so when we're watching like Kenobi, and they're on that. Remember that one scene where they're sitting on the on the truck and all, and they're kind of surrounded oh, by yeah. stormtroopers. Thing. Yeah, we're yeah. all sitting there like, how the fuck did they sit? <laughs> that was the first question I had. Like, because stormtroopers can't sit; they just plank. Well, dude, and like then... when they have every time they have the the, the uh, movies here when they drop, you have these guys coming in full blast stormtrooper outfits yeah. going into a movie theater, and the guy sits down and he's like crunching, and he's like he's like stiff, 
like this straight line and i'm like dude like how stupid you're gonna how are you gonna enjoy this movie like how are you sitting down yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love seeing it and you know we got the calgary expo this week um which is kind of the the sister conference or sister uh, sister uh, convention to to the vancouver expo and so i'm gonna see the guys there and i one of the reasons i want to talk about this because I had messaged Rob not too long ago and I said, look, I I'm seriously thinking about, about trooping. Um, I've got, I, I want to immerse myself. Like it was, I had so much fun with Mandalorian and all that. If I can bring it back to, to that and this idea of getting back into a Star Wars community in a, in a different and meaningful way, but also the ability to, to, to contribute to charity and and a good mm -hmm. cause also really kind of inspired me through this and so i've been kind of rattling this around in my head i gotta get through the calgary expo here uh this week and then and then it's the next thing on my plate do i want to like the big thing like you said it's it's a big commitment and um you know i'm good with my hands and i i kind of want to get into this and do something a little creative and different and so seriously considering that and um i can't, I can't even imagine how you'd start to build the suit though i guess i guess th that's what you're saying rob like you guys provide support like the five first provide support for people coming in new um i mean like you know i i did work with textiles and stuff in in university but i still wouldn't have any idea how to build you know a scout trooper suit or a stormtrooper suit well that's like where that. you you connect with people online on the forums when you go to the fan expo you talk to people that will help you guide help guide you and they'll show you the book and they'll and they'll have what these things are called armor parties and um they will also like there are people who make certain parts of a costume say scout trooper there you can there are like five or six different people who make a good bucket there are three or four people who make a good chest pieces and armor there's one person one or two sorry i shouldn't say one or two there's a few people that make a good flight suit and you pick and choose and you do this and you do that, but then you have to alter it switch move it sh shave it down because not everything fits everybody everybody's of a mm -hmm. different width I'm, I'm very much of a bulkier person than some other people so everything's got to fit accordingly and then you got to make make your own stuff and that's where you connect there's always like a seamstress or a seamster in one of the groups there's always someone who knows how to do this or knows how to build that and that's where you connect and that's how you connect wow. with and then it eventually just yes how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time right so mm -hmm. that's the goal <laughs> man i'm i'm uh, a super you, short dude. Band, I'll probably just, i should say i'll probably just do a ja jawa jawa's easy uh, jawa's robe Sweet, I'm done. I love <laughs> our Jawas. We have three uh, Jawas who are also our Ewoks. They're the best people because when you have a Jawa, you get to character and you start to goof around. They're like stealing things from you. And uh, <laughs> they're in character. And it's just, it's a lot of fun because I, I always throw this um, Oscar Wilde quote. It's like, man is never himself when in uh sorry i'm, I'm gonna screw it up you know, take a drink uh man is truly himself uh give a man a mask and he'll tell you the truth and so basically when you hide behind that mask you start to free up your your inhibitions you start to become a little more yourself and you mm -hmm. can connect with people uh, the brave people like uh my co-host jamie he's ben kenobi he looks yeah. like ben kenobi he's got the beard he's got the looks he's got the robes and he's out there like open to the world and so i always admire him for doing that because you have to kind of look like the guy too it really does matter in some ways yeah. but then sometimes it's just the moment that matters too yeah awesome there's a guy i think in calgary i don't know if it's in calgary where it was because i always see your garrison we go we uh, vacation in the nbc 
and every year there's like the peach festival parade mm. and i always see part of your garrison there but i don't know if it's there or if it's in calgary there's a guy that looks like kylo and uh, he's got the long hair i don't know, I know who you're talking about yep yep yeah yep. he's he's got kind of a looks kylo good. look to him yeah it was funny he was a guy too a, he was at a fan expo a few years back before covid and they had the sorting hat and everybody was getting the sorting hat. So they actually pulled a couple of our troopers and stuff with the sorting hat. And Chewbacca got up there and he was Gryffindor. And then so Kylo goes up there and he goes, Hufflepuff. And he starts losing his mind. It's like, what? <laughs> Hufflepuff? I should be slithering at best, you know? So <laughs> awesome. I love the mixing of it. Well, there it is, guys. Uh, that I Do love it. ending on on that note because it ends on kind of this, this cool note where you can get outside of that. Yeah. And I always say about this podcast, what I always wanted it to be is an extension of the experience of the film going experience. It was a way to bridge the gap between going to the theater and watching star Wars and finding a community, finding fandom, looking for that piece to bridge the gap. And so mm -hmm. that, that's why I really wanted to talk about that because I think it's a cool way, you know, we, we talk about film and speculation and bridging the gap on this end, and extending the experience there. Well, this is a completely different way to do that. We talk a lot about collecting. That's also a way to extend <laughs> the experience. And the 501st is, is very much that. And I look forward to taking some cues from you here in the not too distant future, Rob. I'm, I'm very excited about this venture. I've already talked it through with my wife. Do so it. I've already got the, do already it. Got the okay. Do it. <laughs> Man, it was All right, Rob, even the well, explanation just so inspirational, man. Like, yeah. just the, you know how it's so rewarding and how it, it helps is. so many. It people. really is. I've never it's... even considered it, but now I'm thinking about. <laughs> yes, we should all do it, and then we'll meet in Japan, and then be like, "Whoa, that's well, you you two years to make a suit." That's Celebration it. is a huge event for a lot of five hundred firsters as well. They oh, they they will invite you to their house, and you can stay for a week for with some people. It's like a brotherhood. So. Oh, I can't wait to stay in Ian's house when I go to Japan there. <laughs> well, you got like 10 requests. <laughs> I'm actually thinking of buying a place and renting it out. You should. Money. <laughs> Just Airbnb and then do a secondary rent out on that Airbnb. Charge everyone a little bit more. <laughs> Give yourself the master bedroom. You're good to go. All right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for, for joining you. this week. I love thank the perspective you so that you that you brought both to Star Wars and also that flash trailer and then giving us this beautiful rundown of, of the 501st. But why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Well, the podcast is Generation X Wing Podcast. We uh, have an episode every Saturday. Um, we're just wrapping up Mandalorian. Uh, I don't I think this will come out uh, just about the same time when our Mandalorian episode comes out. And we actually have... Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to save that. We had a, a, a guest coming on the show soon, so I'm just going to keep that uh, a surprise. But we had Mac uh, from yes. Mike Tarkin on the show last week, which was a lot of fun. So we keep that Commonwealth going. Um, we, also, we're going to do Batman review as well. But you can also find the my show, The Outer Rim Rookie, on our Generation X Wing YouTube channel. And um, we're trying to we're pushing for 300 subs right now. But it is it really is a good way to figure out what we do. Uh, behind the scenes and how to join and if you and there are some great videos on our outer rim garrison uh, youtube channel as well if, uh, if you want to learn how to join or you want to uh, request an appearance now this one does work for bc but alberta and all the other country all the other provinces and states uh, are very similar in many ways so check out also outer rim garrison um we have the Falcon base where there's no YouTube channel, but Falcon base is for the, for the good guys. So lots of different clubs there, but uh, generation X wing podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, please like subscribe, all that great stuff.
Yes. And like I said, it, the, the journey that I've watched Rob go on via his uh, YouTube channel is, is just awesome. And just like poking through some of the stuff you're doing lots of shorts more recently, sharing your experiences at, at the various expos. And you get to see that interaction in those videos with, you know, Kenobi with everyone, it, it, kind of that playfulness of all this and kind of that community and brotherhood that, uh, that you guys built there. And that, that's something that, that personally I'm kind of looking for right now. And thank so, you for letting me come on the show too, to talk about, because I, I'm never shy about talking about this. So love it. Love it. Ian, any last words before we sign off for this week? No, man, just happy to, to be on the show and uh great meeting you, Rob. Yeah. I mean, it's re- really good hearing things from different points of view and different perspectives and really inspiring just uh, hearing about the, you know, the 501st and, and what it means to people. So yeah, Don't it's a pleasure being here. So thank you. Uh, and yeah, always good to talk about everything nerd, really fun talking about Star Wars and we've got so much else coming up, man. It's such a packed year, uh, such a packed month. So it's been fun to talk about other things uh, in the future. Yeah, we're going to be down here next week. We're going to be talking. I think we'll probably do an MCU focus episode as we build into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out in uh, just a week's time, just over a week's time. All the early reviews, the early screenings from Europe are very positive, so I'm super excited about that. So thinking about maybe doing an MCU-centric episode, we got, of course, that new Captain Marvel trailer that we haven't talked about, and a lot about the future, what's coming down the, this this year and into next year with, with the MCU. So very excited to talk all about that. For us here, myself and Ian, you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net, and our handles are at the end of the episode. And if you'd like to be a bigger part of this or have any questions, you can always email me at thenerdroom at gmail.com. And with all that being said, for the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Ian. And I'm Rob. And thank you guys so much for entering the nerd room. This has been a nerd room podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at the nerdrm and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the nerd room, check out the nerdroom.net and the nerd room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the nerd room.